like we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. Hey. And uh, on today's show, we're going to talk more about KU basketball seemingly needing a heart attack to win every home game in Allen Fieldhouse. But it's okay. They're 3-0 at home. And they're 5-0 on, on, uh, overall in Big 12 play. Uh, so we're going to be breaking that down throughout the show today. we got plenty of audio. Bill Self post-Iowa State. Bill Self pre-K-State. we got player audio. Uh, we got Case of the Mondays, NFL Monday overreaction after a fun wild card weekend. We, we still got a game tonight. I'll be honest, yeah. I thought that this weekend was going to have a lot of crappy games. Ended up being actually really fun. No, this was best case scenario for yeah. the NFL. Like I mean, San Francisco game kind of stunk, but the rest no, was great. But, I mean, going into it on Friday, we were thinking, man, besides like what, Giants, Vikings, yeah. all the other games are going to suck. And then they all ended up being pretty good. Yep. Well, the NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings, which each leg you add up to 100%. Uh, You can even forget the divisional round. Just get in on the action tonight. On DraftKings, Tampa Bay is up to plus three, or you can take Dallas, minus three. Um, over under 45 and a half, you can get the Bucks. This is kind of the one I like, at plus 125 on the money line. Let's let's put together a quick parlay here. I'm going to say okay. anytime TD score, Mike Evans, that's plus 150. Okay. Let's go with, I don't know, Bucks money line. Sure. sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And then uh Tom Brady over rushing yards. Oh geez. Did you see that by the way? What? It's it's like ninety nine percent of the bets are on the over on his rushing yards at on 0. Tom Brady? 0.5 rushing yards. Oh, I didn't know that. Did you know it was 0. 0.5 rushing yards? I knew it was probably no more than like two or three. It's 0. 0.5. So the scary part there is if the Bucks are winning late, he could take a kneel down and lose all the yards. But if True. he gets one QB yeah. sneak, he gets it. But if yeah. we wanted to do that. Bucks money line, Mike Evans anytime touchdown, Tom Brady over .5 rushing yards. I do not have the odds what that would be, but it'd probably be pretty good. The positives, you could do that too. The positives of quarterback rushing yards in the NFL is when they get sacked, it doesn't count against the rushing yards. Yes, that's always a, a bummer in uh, college football because you have yeah. to kind of factor that in. Um, yeah. So let's see. The over on rushing yards for Tom Brady is plus 190. Wow, they really don't think he's going to get over one yard. Well, he's only gone over it in... How many games has he had more than one yard? Six times this year. Out of 17? Yeah, did he play in the 17th game? I guess he did. So, like... Man, that's actually kind of bad. It is, but in a in a playoff game, he's so good at, at QB sneaks. True, yeah. You know? I mean, if they run three QB sneaks in the game, he's probably got it. 
Yeah. Which they might. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out what this odds That's would be. Okay, here's the odds. It would be plus 15, over plus 1,500, plus you'd add the boost to it with DraftKings. It's going to be even higher than that. Wow. Boom. That's a good bet. That's pretty good. Yeah. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round. Get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit parlay. And wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com. Football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. I coasted through that. That was glamorous. Uh, KJ Adams won Big 12 Player of the Year or <laughs> of the Year. Yeah, maybe maybe next year. Um, Big 12 Player, player of the, the Year. Week. KJ Adams, come next on year, down. I'm telling you, everybody, that's what they're saying. Uh, but wins the game for for KU against Iowa State. Deserving yep. pickup there after the week that he had. And it's just funny because, um, like you, you would not have expected him to be taking the last shot of that game, and and he just hits it kind of running to the right. To win you that game, he he has been so good offensively, and like you yeah. could make a case that if if KJ Adams, the KJ Adams they were getting the first month of the season when he was still figuring stuff out, if that was the KJ they had right now in Big Twelve play, what's the record? Two and three, maybe two and three. Yeah, maybe. He's been so good. Yeah, he's been great. Do you and very well deserved? Very well deserved. Will Kansas have a non-close game in Allen Fieldhouse this year? Yes. <laughs> How West, many? Uh, West Virginia. One. Okay. Just the one. <laughs> because they already played Oklahoma State. Well, okay. Texas Tech, okay, maybe two. Texas Tech, maybe two. Maybe two. Depending if Pop I- Pops Isaac can Pop, play or not. Pops, yeah. Is it Pops or Pop? It's Pop. It's definitely just Pop. Okay. Greg Popovich. Not Popsovich. <laughs> um, if he's back, he's going to score like 30. So you were at the game. Yeah, I was at the game. So is the mush over for me? Can we definitively say... Case closed. No. The Nick Springer potential curse does not exist. No, because KU is, KU is so good and KU is so good at home that, like, if you go to 10 games, you're still going to see more wins than you see losses. The mush Maybe. for you is that you're going to see more losses than anybody else. Than anybody else, right? Yeah. So if, if they go seven and three in and the I'm home there games, for all three losses, that's it. Exactly. Like, that even proves if, that even I if am. they go seven and three, it's like nobody else goes seven and three watching games at Allen Fieldhouse, <laughs> but you did. So I, I think this has to be a sustained run of dominance. I also think it has to be like if they if you go to like three straight home games and they cover the spread in all three, that's that's the mush is gone. And at that point, maybe you're good luck. Okay. Okay. Like they didn't even cover the that's spread. Fine. It was a close game. Well, the spread I think was just ridiculous to begin with. Yeah, that was a very high spread. Like, dude, it's Big Twelve basketball. I think I uh, I have even closed in on my parameters. I I, I said last if week if it's an eight point spread, exactly. I said last week if it's double digits, you just fire it off on the underdog in the Big Twelve this yeah. year. I think it's eight or higher, and yeah. I'm even uh, tempted to say like seven or higher. Yeah. Oh, I agree, hundred percent. Um, but that's a very good win for Kansas. Like Iowa State yeah. is still ranked in the top fifteen. They actually moved up to number twelve in the AP poll, even after the the loss. They had a win earlier in the week. It's a really strong opponent. If you just look at Ken Palm. Uh, they're 13th, and that is KU's highest-ranked win of the year. I mean, they have other good wins, but Duke is like, kind of fallen down. They're 29th now. Yeah, NC Duke State, comes. oddly enough, is one of KU's best wins. Hey, they're 36th. I hope that Travis Goff, or I guess hypothetically maybe if he's no longer here, I hope that whoever is going to be in charge at KU is paying attention to what is happening with these other quote-unquote blue-blood schools. When you hire them from within, <laughs> yes. you suck. Okay. So don't do that. Whenever Bill decides to leave, 
don't promote Jeremy Case or whoever. <laughs> Go no, find somebody always, else. It always cracks me up because occasionally we'll we'll get that question or, or you'll see people talking about it and being like, you know, whenever Bill Self retires, like they should go for Danny Manning. And it's like, well, listen, I love Danny Manning, unbelievable player at KU, but it didn't really work out like at, you know, Wake Forest. Not very, I don't even know where he's at now. Maryland. I, I think he's an assistant somewhere. I, I forget where. Um, so, yeah, no, no. You, you don't need to just hire internally just because. Uh, perfect example. Bill Self, very good. Not, you know, his alma mater <laughs> wasn't Kansas. It was a uh, Big 12 or Big Twelve opponent in uh, Oklahoma State. So, nonetheless, uh, very good win. Iowa State right now is your best win. And, and you found a way to win a game that you could not hit an open three to save your life minus Grady Dick. Yeah. Grady Dick was great. Grady carried. Uh, yeah. Gabe Kalsher, like, killed you last year now in Fieldhouse. He did it again this year. But yeah. you found a way to get by it. Really, It's not just that it was a big win, too. It was an important win. It's one that if Iowa State truly is in this to the very end to be a Which Big 12 title contender for they you. They might be. They very much might. Again, I mean, if, they, if they go 12-6, and six, yeah. that's probably Absolutely. third or co- in the conference. And Maybe if you would have given up an edge to them on your home floor, where now they're ahead bad. of you in record and they have that on top of you. Yeah, that would have been really bad. It would have been. would have been really bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, watching that game live. To me, it felt like Iowa State's defense was was very disruptive and that Kansas was struggling against it. But then when I looked at the box score after I left the game, they only forced 12 turnovers. I was a bit surprised to see that. Because watching it live, it really felt like the defense for Iowa State was doing quite a bit to disrupt mm-hmm. Kansas. Which maybe it wasn't even so much as turnovers, but they were just they were just playing good defense. Which we knew that going in that they were going to be a strong defensive team, and that, that appeared to be the case. Yeah, I definitely think you're onto something from the idea of like it did disrupt them a little bit. Like, you probably had more possessions that you're like passing the ball around in weird ways, or yeah. ending in a bad shot, or just the shot clock was expiring because you had to take more time to try to find that good shot. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Kansas did a good job of not turning the basketball over. Um, that was not one of their like higher turnover games. I mean, no, and twelve is like pretty average. Yes. I would say. Uh, if you go back to the, because they had, I think, 11 in the first half against Oklahoma State. From that point on, they've done really well. And overall, they, they ended up yeah, turning I mean, the ball early, over. Early in the season, they were pretty careless, it felt like, at times, and turning it over quite a bit. But they've that has really, really tightened up for them since the start of conference play. Basically. Yeah. No, I mean, against Iowa State, it ended up, if you just look at turnover percentage, which, you know, that takes out of account, is it a lower possession game, higher possession game? They turned the ball over a little under 19% of their offensive possessions. On the season, they're at 17%, so it's a little higher than that. But then when you compare it to Iowa State is turning teams over 30%, that was 10% lower than they should have. Yeah. And I think a big yeah. credit for that just goes to, like, Dewan Harris, who um, he played 39 minutes, did not score at yeah, all. Yeah, okay. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Went 0 for is 2. That, am I overreacting if I think I'm, if I'm concerned by that? Yes, I think so. You think I so? think he had a great game. Dude, over 39 minutes and you can't score one point? Because I, I, I think for him, the game was more about handling the ball, and he was the biggest well, reason why okay, he didn't yeah, turn listen, it over. I get all that. I, I Listen, that's fine. I get all that stuff. But just just score one point. Like, just you play almost 40 minutes. Just score once. I, I just think in a game like this, that was his value. And, and, I mean, he only took two shots. It's not like he had zero points on, like, 0 of 14, where it just, like, completely bogged down the offense. Oh, yeah, I understand. And, listen, he was, he was clearly not looking to score that game. No. He was very clearly... Looking to be more Still of a distributor. No, I, I thought that it that is the best 39-minute zero-point game you oh, might easily. ever see. 100%. Yeah, yeah no. It's, there's not, it's not even close. That's right. never going to happen again. Right. Well, it might happen. DeJuan might do it again later this season. Yeah. 
So I, I think you just got guys in, in good positions. And think about it this way, too. With how many open threes that like Jalen and, and Kevin McCuller missed in the game, yeah. if a couple more of those go down, and, and when I say open, they were like wide open. A lot of them in the corner, too, which is supposed to be your highest percentage. He ends up with like eight or nine assists. Yeah, I would, I would like to point out, though, Robert Jones, number 12 for Iowa State, that dude couldn't make a one-foot shot to save his life. Oh, dude. Yeah. Got balanced out by Osanui, uh, who who has not been like a great offensive player, being able to make a bunch, dude, though. That guy had maybe one of the toughest games of his life mm-hmm. for for Iowa State. Well, so that, I mean, that kind of balances out with the missed threes It did. Kansas. And, yeah, I, I mean, if you combined Robert Jones shooting inside the arc with Kevin McCullers shooting outside the arc. Like one for 20. You would have had a... I don't know. One for 18? Yeah, I mean, that would have been a mess. I I don't know what to do with Kevin McCullough right now because his defense continues to be so good for you, and he does rebound, and he'll get some assists and get some steals. Offense is really bad right now, He continues to shoot with a lot of confidence. He does, and I appreciate that. Every time he gets the ball. But some of those misses, Every time he gets the ball, he's he's pulling the trigger. No, and there's not an alternative option. That's the second time in three games that he has hit the side of the backboard on a corner three attempt. Yeah, like those misses have Second not really been Second time in close. three games. Yeah, they, re- they really haven't. And, and that's something where we, we talked about this early in the season. when he was Because he kind of struggled on offense the first few games, and then he hit that really good stretch where he was getting like 15 a game for like a month, and now it's, it's kind of struggling offensively again. So I'll just reiterate what we said then. Because of his defense, because of his passing ability, because of his rebounding, and because you don't really have another option, like MJ Rice clearly yeah. isn't in the Bill Self-Trust tree. The floor on Kevin McCuller is playing 25 to 30 minutes. So if you're going to have him out there for all those other reasons, you need to get some sort of offensive contribution. Again, yeah, again. It's not the I will every say, three. though, how many, I mean, reasonably, he only needs to average, like, what, 11 points per game? Yeah, and I don't even game? know. And, and I've, I've kind of said, like, I think you're at your best when he's getting 12, 13, 14 a game. I still listen, think that's true. Here, Okay, let me go back to the Dewan thing for a second. Mm-hmm. If Dewan's going to play 39 minutes, and score zero points. And you're getting two points from your bench. Somebody's got to score. Yes, correct. Somebody's got to score. Correct. That's besides, where it comes for, into play. Besides Jalen and Grady. No, you're 100% right. That's that's where it comes into play. And and the fact that, again, like it doesn't have to be Kevin McCuller doesn't have to initiate the offense and stuff. And you don't have to hit every three. But when you're getting wide open threes from the corner, you got to knock those down at least like 40%. Like go two for five. Instead of going 0 for five, at least hit one of them. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Go one for five. Go two for five. And, and I love Kevin's game. I think he's still a, a really important, really good player for this team. He is just clearly in a rut right now shooting the basketball. I guess, can he get out of it? Of course he can. I guess maybe the reason the whole Dewan 39 minutes, zero points thing like raises my eyebrows specifically is because your bench scores scored two points against Iowa State. Two. And that's, I mean, the bench is not good. It mm-hmm. hasn't been good all year. So if you're going to rely on your starting five to score, Dewan's going to score zero. Kevin can't hit air. <laughs> What are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with, with Jalen struggling to shoot from outside the arc, too, it just really hurt you. And, and you saw, I mean, in the first, like, what, 12 minutes of the game, KU was up six or seven, and it felt like KU was the better team. Yeah. And it felt like, okay, maybe this would be one where KU's not going to have to sweat out at the very end. And then and then Grady Dick gets the second foul that forces him out for the game at the time, and that's when things really start to kind of okay. get interesting. That and the combination uh, the combination of that and Zach Clements coming into the game really derailed things late in the first half. Dude, what is up with Zach Clements not being able to make free throws, by the way? I don't care about that. You know what I care about? 
He comes in the game, and Iowa State immediately posts him up three times on the defensive end, and they score two out of the three. Yeah. No, you definitely – and then I think another possession where it wasn't a post-up, but a guy cut, and he was, I'm pretty sure, supposed to be the, the help defense there. But no, Zach Clements shot 48% on limited free throws last year. He's shooting 40% on limited free throws this Which year. Which he's Again. literally a shooter. Again, yeah, exactly. Or, he's supposed, or allegedly. A quote-unquote shooter. I don't understand. We think he's a shooter. Um, I'm trying to think other takeaways from the game. Defensive rebounding issues, that became a, a thing again. It's been yeah. a long time, my old friend. Yeah. Hello and welcome back. Well, I was thinking, in my head, I was thinking, okay, you did really well on the defensive glass against Oklahoma, and I wondered if maybe part of it was when because Grady Dick was being face-guarded out of the game offensively, he was more often in position to get rebounds or help out and get off his rebounds. But then I look at the stats, Grady Dick had the same number of rebounds against Oklahoma that he had against Iowa State. So that evidently didn't really seem to affect anything, I guess. Well, this is this is funny. I'm looking at KU's worst defensive rebounding games by defensive rebound rate. Duke game was the worst. That makes Duke sense. had offensive rebounds on almost I mean, Duke, 50% Duke, of possessions. Duke's shortest guy in the starting lineup is like 6'8". Yeah. Tennessee was the second worst. Also it was like 47%. Sense. Yeah, Iowa State's the third worst. But it's dropped down all the way to 33% from the 47%. But yeah, that almost cost you the game. Um, they did actually... Like, it was at one point, it was 10 nothing. On the offensive glass. And it's not just that the defensive rebounding was a bit of an issue, but it's that for KU, Iowa State had troubles defensive rebounding coming into the game. It was almost, to me, more of a maybe a surprise or a letdown that KU wasn't getting any because this is an Iowa State team that would give them up. But over the last like half of the second half, they did off, uh, out-rebound them on the offensive glass 6-3, to three, and we saw a couple of them big down the stretch to to give KU extra possessions or extra makes that maybe helped to eke out the game. But yeah, it, it had been a while since we had seen some of the defensive rebounding issues. So I, I don't know how to approach those because yeah. we, early in the season, it was like that was a kind of more consistent thing. Do we just view this as like a one-off? Do we worry about it because it was something we saw earlier in the season? I'm yeah. not totally sure. Jalen got another meh 16 and 11 yep. light work for him. Yeah, like I'm waiting for a game from from Jalen like we saw in, in the non-con where he scores 25 on 15 shots as opposed to, you know, 18 on 15 shots. The the three-point shooting hasn't come around, but I feel like we've been focusing on a lot of the, the negatives here. The thing about Jalen, though, is he was great in the last five minutes. Yes, he was. And he was very efficient as well. And it seems like that's been a consistent for him. Yeah, he's he's definitely been a the kind of the a, a clutch guy, certainly someone you can rely on, even if he was maybe cold for the mm-hmm. rest of the game. You can definitely rely on him late in the game. But yeah, and obviously, I mean, I mean, I don't even know what else to say about Grady Dick. The guy is just a machine. Yep. Grady just Dick a, just machine. A machine. And I just having I mean what KJ and Obviously KJ, yeah. Obviously so good, KJ man. was incredible. And I something I picked up on that game, like just having a center that can like pass and dribble and read the defense, it alleviates so much pressure because the the tough part about those defenses is that it's like, okay, we have Dewan Harris with the basketball, and we can trust him with the ball. He's going to make the right first read. Yeah. But basically what, what the Iowa States and the Texas Techs of the world are basically saying is, even if you have the first guy make the right read and not panic, we don't believe your second guy is going to make the right read because we're, we're going to force you to make two or three consecutive reads to get an open shot. And because you have K.J. Adams, who typically your center is not someone who's going to process the game very quickly or make really good passes or be able to dribble, 
KJ is that. And so we saw it a couple times where Dewan was able to make the right read and make the quick throw to KJ in kind of the, the free throw line area. And KJ just processed it so quickly and found one of those open guys in the corner. And sometimes it may have resulted in a missed three. Other times it might have resulted in a Grady Dick made three. But having that creates such an advantage against specifically, I feel like, a lot of the defenses that the Big 12 has to offer. Yeah, because a lot of defenses in the Big 12, what you'll see is you see a lot of heavy ball pressure, right? And that's what and that's what ball pressure is designed to do is designed to speed up your thought process of of your non point guards basically to where they catch the ball and they're not quite sure what to do with it right and that's and then that that bogs down the whole offense that slows down everything right and KJ is excellent and he's a great athlete and he can do so many different things and it, I I mean what's the limit for this guy I mean he's playing phenomenal right now what's the limit for him I don't know that's what I, I'm saying <laughs> I mean when I accidentally said Big Twelve Player of the Year I'm not saying that this year <laughs> but like realistically and I don't want to spend too much time on talking about next year because we're in the season but like yeah. If you told me next season, Jalen Wilson gone, Kevin McCuller gone, both go to the NBA and What's Kevin uh, Grady McCullough, Dick by gone the way, to the NBA. I believe he could exercise a COVID year. And he could. He could. I, I saw him come up at 34th in, in the latest athletic mock draft. And um, let's just say all those guys are gone and, and go to the NBA. And then you have Dewan Harris and KJ Adams back. Would it be completely shocking to you based on how we've seen KU players improve so much year to year and how much he's already improved if he next year, like instead of the five, he's playing at the four or something yeah. and he adds a little bit of a three-point shot and all of a sudden he's averaging like 18 a game. Nobody can stop him on drives <laughs> to the rim and like he is like all Big 12 player. No, it would not shock me. No. Which is just crazy. And yeah. I mean, he just improves and improves every yeah. day. But so overall, uh, an incredible win. K-State gets the doors blown off. That's huge. Yeah. You now are in sole possession first place. KU. And if you win on Tuesday, I mean, you are in really, really, really good shape. Yep. Got to do it first. Which is just, given the given how strong the league is, like, that's that's really good, obviously. <laughs> He's Nick Springer. <laughs> I don't know. Great analysis. <laughs> Captain obvious. Winning uh, equals good. <laughs> I'm Derek Johnson. That's what you got on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This Winning is, is good. This is RCST. We got plenty more KU Hoop Stock and uh, NFL playoff stock coming throughout the show. We'll be back after this timeout. Half past three. We've got some uh, Bill Self audio coming at you in a second here. We'll get to our Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk recap with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST. Um, how about this quote from Jerome Tang? He uh, he was talking about the game and, and the rivalry, and um, he said, and, and this is a paraphrasing, um, So, but he basically said he wants Wildcat fans to show up, not because of their hatred for KU, but their love of K-State. Sure. That'll never happen. Okay, but It'll bud. never happen. Okay. If you if you have had you like seen a, the last uh, I don't know every single game that KU plays at K State every year, first of all, it's the only <laughs> game they care about. It's their Super Bowl. They don't they don't show up for any other games. If if you had like a some sort of monitor, some sort of like X ray of when fans well, no, walked in the could, arena that could tell whether no, they were is, there, you go stand outside the arena and you say, "Hey, are you here because you like K State or because you hate KU?" Mm -hmm. Simple yes or no. Simple. You think they would be honest the about other. it? Of course they'd be honest. Yeah, okay. So you do that, and then... They would say they hate KU. Yeah, and and the stadium would not be filled. What do you mean? I mean, it would be like an empty arena, right? If you... If they were like, if you say that you're oh, coming in okay. here. If, that's what like, I'm saying. Okay, like, okay, you okay, only okay. get let in if you say you are here because you love K-State, not because you hate KU. Ah, okay, okay. And then the stadium would just be empty, <laughs> and then it wouldn't be... 
Well, it would, it would look like a regular game at that point, which yeah. is like a quarter no, full. Exactly. Yeah, regular game. So do you think they're going to take that to heart, and instead of the bleep KU chants, they're going to chant, we love K-State? I think they're going to do the bleep KU chants even harder and even more now <laughs> because of that, actually. I think you're right. <laughs> uh, Jalen Wilson had some uh, fun comments today uh, about the K-State game, so we'll share that with you on tomorrow's show. We're going to have a, a short show tomorrow. We're out at 430 for pregame coverage with uh, KUK State because it's the early game. It's six. I the older yeah. I get, the more I appreciate the six o'clock games. Yeah, dude. The eight. The, okay. Eight o'clock. The other you're issue with the eight, ten, and then you're the coming other down issue from with the, game. the eight o'clock games is like, I guess if you're not going to the game, if you're watch, if you're like watching it at home, almost always you get some SEC game. It's like Mississippi State versus Vanderbilt, and there's like. 20,000 reviews and the game doesn't get done until like 820 and you they, and ESPN doesn't flip over so you got to be stuck watching a 47 to 43 SEC game between two 500 SEC teams when you're just trying to watch Kansas and then you miss like the first five minutes of the Kansas game yeah. that always happens when it's yeah. 8 o'clock no, that's a good point now we get to be the team that bothers somebody else so that's fun yeah. uh, okay Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk you get a point for every point they score you get two points for assists and rebounds, three for steals and blocks, lose one for a shot missed, lose two for turnovers. Um, how we did in this matchup, I ended up winning 94-74. to 74. So we're tied 7-7. Seven to seven. Man. Uh, Jalen Wilson was my first pick. He had the most points at 34. He was shortly followed by Grady Dick, who had 33. And you had Grady. Then third for points was KJ Adams, who got 30, which you had him. So you had you had second and third. You were, you were feeling yeah. good there. Yeah. Um, but I had fourth and fifth, which is funny because this is literally the draft order with <laughs> Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris at 22 and 21. Yeah, but really. Honestly, so in Rochester Pickhawk, it's kind of coming down to whoever has the first overall pick is guaranteed to get three of the five starters. Yeah. So then what it comes down to is if you're, if you're picking second, you just have to somehow manage to get enough from the bench to overcome that, which, which I did not happen. For, for a me. few games there in Big 12 play, the bench was producing, yeah, exactly. and, and like, it made this interesting. You, you could usually get 10 points from yeah. Bobby, and that made it a little better. And the last few games, it's been back to the where Bobby gets you three, and Zuby gets me <laughs> one, and Joe gets me one, and Zach gets you two. Um, the other big thing that, that carried this was I had Jaron Holmes, who didn't have a great game for Iowa State. He only had seven points, but he got me 15 pick-a-hawk points. He got like five rebounds and some other stuff. Uh, you had Caleb Grail, who had a really tough shooting night. Yeah. Yeah, I picked the hometown guy, Caleb Grill. He only had six points. If you would have, if you would have taken Osunui, if I would, or even Gabe, or Kalsher, yep, Gabe Kalsher, would have easily won probably. Yeah, I, I I didn't calculate it up to see if that would have been a difference, but I feel like you probably would have. I will continue to pick MJ Rice, and I will continue to get zero points <laughs> yes. for making that pick. Well, none that's of us took Ernest go. Duday this game, so that's a I guess a positive. Moving ahead, um, <laughs> I I'm wondering. Should we enhance the rule where you get to pick one player from the other team? Should we make it you can pick a max of two? No. This is Rock Chuck you Pick a Hawk, not you, Rock Chuck Pick a <laughs> other team. What are we doing? No. Should we be able to you can pick players from any of the Big Twelve games that night? No. Again, this is Rock Chuck Pick a Hawk. What about not Rock from Chuck Pick a Wildcat? Future pick a KU games. So I can be like I pick want, a horn frog. I want Kevin McCuller for two weeks away game. No. No, that's even more stupid than Rock Chalk Pick a Horn Frog. <laughs> Just denying all the, the advanced ideas. We as a society are trying to develop and Listen, and I gave an idea and you said it was bad, so now I'm just <laughs> I, I'm saying your ideas are bad. Because my idea was 
you should only be able be allowed to pick the player of the other team with your last pick. Mm-hmm. That was my idea. And you said no. No, I don't like it. Because, again, it, it comes down too much to – there's no strategy in it. It's just you That's can, fine. You know. That's fine. Well, there's no strategy in picking random players either. But see, the beauty of if we if we match that at two as opposed to one is that there there no longer is a because if, if you're the first person to take one of the other team's players, now if you're the person who goes second in that regard, you just wait till your last pick to take that other player, and there there loses the strategy there. If you but, have two, <laughs> no, okay, I don't care about that though because it's rock chalk pick a hawk, a Jayhawk. <laughs> Not uh, pick the other team. Okay. I no. see your point. <laughs> valid. Fair. Of course it's valid. It's the name of the segment. Well, what if we add in you can pick Bill Self? What? If he gets a technical, it's minus something. If How many technicals has Bill Self gotten in the last five years? I Three? think it's usually one or two a year. Four? No, it's definitely like one or two a year. He already has one this year. It was like last game, right? Okay, is he going to get another one? I don't think so. I feel like usually year to year, it's good for one to two. Okay. So maybe one more. I, I don't know. But yeah, you have, a, okay, technicals like minus 10. <laughs> if he wins, it's plus 10. If he loses, it's minus 10. If there's no coaches challenge, so you can't get like points off that. I don't know. No, I think that's, I think that's dumb too. It's definitely hard though because the, the Listen, bench big men are I, playing so little. I love your enthusiasm. It's just all of your ideas suck. I'm just trying... <laughs> Thank you for the kind <laughs> words and the support. I'm just I'm just trying to think of ways to deepen the player pool because what you said about it no, basically, I know. I know. it's just that the bench you just have to gamble on you know what I mean gamble on hoping that you get enough bench guys that yeah. do well. <laughs> which is just uh, not no I understand as well. I, yeah. I understand I mean listen like I said if you pick second you're getting three I mean well I know we I know I don't want to you know I don't want to strike a chord here but we just get rid of the snake draft or whatever or we don't do it anymore <laughs> but I know somebody <laughs> gets help. really mad about that It does that. not help. It does not help. Somebody gets really up mad about that. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have some uh, Bill Self audio after the win against Kansas or Iowa State on uh, Saturday for KU. We'll share that with you on the other side. This is RCST on FM 1017 1320 KLWN KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. <laughs> Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. you freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How much does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And a bit of a case of the Mondays for me today because... Why do you have a case of the Mondays? Well, I'm used to not coming in on Monday. I mean, so last week I was out of town, right? Okay. Week before we had Monday off for New Year's. Yeah. Week before we had Monday off for the day after Christmas. Ah. I so this is my first good. Monday show in a long time. I had not considered that. Yeah. Well, that's I'm not used to it. I'm not conditioned to it. Yeah, that is tough. I might just leave now Working and have you do Monday, the rest of the show. Man? Dude. I know, man. What's, what's up rough. with that? I, I would like to uh propose just you know, as as a as a country, we go to a, a four day work, work week. week. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's not with me. You know? You Would you rather vote. have Monday off or Friday off, though, if we did that? 
I guess it's all it, it's semantics at that point. But. Probably Friday. Probably I'd rather Friday. Monday. Why? Uh, just because from a personal schedule of like you watch NFL Sunday all day. Okay. And then and that's really hard work. It is hard work. And then you're like, well, you're sitting on your couch. I have to do laundry hours, and I have to do chores around the house and I have to run errands. But like, I got to do them in between games. I got to do them before the games start. Now, if you have Monday off, you're like, ah, I'll just, just worry about that tomorrow. It just sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> it is. Looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. Let's get into it with our case of the Mondays for today on your January 16th. First up, uh, Peter Schrager reported on Fox that multiple teams have contacted Cliff Kingsbury for their vacant offensive coordinator job. But unfortunately, people have in a case of the Mondays are any teams that want to hire Cliff Kingsbury because he bought a one-way ticket to Thailand and has told teams, I don't know why I said it that way, Thailand, Thailand, um, Thailand, uh, Thailand all. No, uh, Thailand and has told teams that he's not interested at the moment. So anybody who wants Cliff Kingsbury, it's like, sorry, dude, I'm Literally moving out my best grow life. up, man. Why are you having a midlife crisis? Come on, dude. First of all, what kind of guy as a midlife crisis wants to fly to Thailand? <laughs> like, what's up with that? Just have a regular midlife crisis. Just, like, be depressed for a little bit. Why do you have to fly to Thailand? No. Grow up. Come on. This is football. Come on, man. Do you have worries about him as a head coach? Or, or just as a coach in yeah, general? Yeah, I have worries. You know? I have worries that he sucks because he's at going his to job. <laughs> I have worries that he's bad. <laughs> yeah, I do have worries. Now, he'd be a fine offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I don't care about that. This is just funny because sometimes you'll see coaches doing the the media gig where they'll you know, be like, I'll, I'll take a year off. I'll take a step back. I'll go work for ESPN or one of these different media companies for a year. Like Sean Payton working for, uh, yeah. is it Fox? He's working yeah, with CBS. Matt Brown. Where's the yeah, yeah. You go to ESPN, like Dan Mullen right now yeah, is at yeah, ESPN. Yeah. yeah. And you just kind of reset things. And then um, eventually like a, a head coaching job opens up and they're like, well, go get this guy. You know, you don't have to pay a buyout to go get him. You just go get him. He's, he's yeah. working with ESPN. Honestly, though. Okay. I understand but, uh, that I just got. It's not normally this. It's not I normally understand this. that I just got mad at Kingsbury for having midlife crisis and going to Thailand. Mm-hmm. But honestly, taking a year off and just living in Thailand for a year would be way cooler than just being some schmuck on ESPN and then getting another head coaching job. Maybe, but like the thing about like when you're on ESPN or something is that when they're You're still like when they're talking, the they are, and when they're talking football, just the layman, regular, average football fan hears them saying anything that is coach-related, and they're like, wow, this guy knows what he's doing. And it over-inflates how good of a coach they are, when in reality, they might just be saying stuff that's kind of basic. I think this happens sometimes, where they say stuff that's kind of basic, but because we're not used to hearing even any coaches talk at all like that, we we think it's some genius or or something. But um, that won't be the case this time. If he just, I I don't think he's going there for a year, but just go on vacation. I don't blame him. go off the grid. You know what? I changed my mind. I already changed my mind. Have your midlife crisis. Go just be off the grid for a year. Have some fun. But just Why like, not? I guess. I don't know. Could, couldn't the vacation to Thailand wait? Like, couldn't he take a job somewhere and then be like, hey, now we have the offseason. I'm going to take two weeks No, off. that's not as dramatic. Isn't that the whole purpose of doing this? Maybe he thinks that if a team really wants him, they'll like 
pull a uh, the classic rom, you know, rom com movie where the person's about where, to get like, on the, the plane. NFL team will yeah, like, chase the dramatic down. music starts playing. Like you the, know, the owner of yeah, the owner of the uh, Jim Irsay is like running after him in the airport, chasing the like, plane. Please let me through. You gotta understand. The security guard is like, I once loved. You can go. And he just lets him in, and then Jim Irsay picks him up, and he's like, okay, Cliff, congrats. You're wow. our new coach. Um, okay. Case of the Mondays. Wow. <laughs> Trying to figure out the Rams' future plans. First, it was Sean McVay. He's like, what, what, what's going to happen? Is he going to retire? Is he not? Sounds like he's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Stafford's contract. What are they going to do with that? It, it, it They have kind of an out if they want to. Right Injured now? a lot of the season. It's like they can get off for, for not a ton of uh, dead money. So they want to move on, go to Baker Mayfield, just reset it, draft a quarterback, um, look to the the free agency market. Like, where is his health at? What, what are they going to do about his contract? Restructure it? I don't know. Yeah. Well, they can't draft a quarterback. They don't have any first-round picks. True. That's true. They're, they're kind of screwed in that regard. And then is Aaron Donald going to retire? Well, yesterday he changed his Twitter bio to former NFL defensive lineman. I thought it was former Rams defensive lineman. He did. It was, yeah, I, I was just paraphrasing. Oh, former okay. Rams defensive lineman. So maybe that just adds to the intrigue. Maybe he's saying, I'll play, but I'm but not, not playing for, for the Rams. Rams, right? Yeah, that's what I think. And then he, moments after people started noticing it, which this is funny to me because if he was like, oh no, people noticed I did this thing that I wanted to make public from the get go, now I better change it back. It's like, why did you do it from the get-go? Nonetheless. Maybe he didn't expect people to react to it. But then why would you change it? Because your Twitter profile is public. Anyway, (laughs) he changed it instead to just say former Pitt defensive lineman and NFL defensive lineman. But currently it didn't. Okay. The whole Sean McVay thing. Like, if he is going to stay with the Rams, the Rams are going to stink for a while now, I think. So is he really committed to a rebuild? And also... There is no rebuild because in order to have a rebuild, you have to have picks. Guess what they don't have? No. They don't have any picks. I How, how much? So how are you supposed to rebuild with nothing? How much would a team trade for Aaron Donald? If he said, I will play next year, but I, I have no further guarantees after that. I don't Do know. That's a good get question. first. Because you're, probably. You're, you're getting one I mean, of the you probably, best players. Yeah, it's got to be. You're a only first. guaranteed one year out of it. Now, maybe it's he got to be. It's got to be a first. Mm. At least. So, so if they really wanted, they could be like, we'll trade you. But again, we'll what if Matt it turns Stafford? out that Matt know. Stafford's Super Bowl year was like the anomaly year? And then and every other year of his career is like what he actually is, which is a below average quarterback that piles up stats wow. in games and it gets hurt all the time. Wow. Matthew Stafford, hater. Is that not what his career has been? I don't think he's the been a he below average quarterback. I, I definitely think the the idea that like you would see him after he won the Super Bowl, people would throw him in their top five quarterback list, or like he'd be ranked seventh. I, I saw in a couple lists, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm buying that. But I've I've always thought he was like an upper half quarterback that you know was solid. But yeah, I, I don't think he was like ever like that top five type of guy. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what they do. They're they're kind of in a very weird position now. But I guess. If you just view it from a standpoint of, hey, if we get everybody back and healthy, and if we make a couple good free agent signings, then, but I, I don't know how much cap they have. I can't imagine it's very much. Then then why can yeah. we not? You know, the the division could be wide open. Uh, the 49ers, the you might, just expect to be good. The division might kind of suck. Yeah, it's like Cardinals suck. The Cardinals are going to suck. And Kyler's coming back off the injury. The Seahawks are Seahawks probably going to be not as good probably next Probably regress, yeah. You would think. So why could you not, even if the 49ers are better than you. could you, be a wild card team. Exactly, exactly. So I, I'm guessing that'll be the, the, the way they go. But if Aaron Donald's not on the team, that's getting rid of your best player. 
I don't know. Maybe yeah. Cooper Cup's better. I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter. Uh, common or case of the Mondays. Common sense is having a case of the Mondays. Why is that? I feel like so, I feel like every Monday you could say that that's true. Is that is true. Common sense. There's a war against it. No. Um. So this is from Next Gen Stats, one of the NFL's official. Like, I mean, it just tweets out stuff about Next Gen Stats. Like, it'll be like, uh, on this touchdown, this player ran 25 miles per hour. Whatever. It says, Which, honestly, uh, some of this crap I think is dumb. But anyway, that's beside the point. How close was Tyler Huntley to crossing the plane with a football? According to the chip in the football, the closest ball, the closest the ball got to the end zone was 0.6 yards from the goal line. Wait a second. The chip yes. in the football? Yes. What? So. What are we doing here? My uh, The reason common sense is on Case of the Mondays, apparently there is a chip in the football that the NFL basically just gave to you that they told they are using but that we don't have the common sense to actually use it. But we got two guys off the street two running around guys with a chain it. with a chain that might or might not be 10 yards. I don't know. That's how we're measuring it. I, like, okay, th- that is that is the ultimate indictment on common sense, right? Because <laughs> yeah, for the longest time, people were like, oh, I don't know how you do it. But clearly the NFL had the, the money to do it. And clearly they do have the money that they are using it. But if you if you have it, why are you like we have we have this VAR technology in soccer. We have the I forget what the it's called, but in tennis where it can like literally oh, see yeah. the yeah. exact like inch of where the ball hit. Yeah. I just blows my mind. Blows my mind. Is this like something that like the refs are like, no, we're never gonna give that up? I would think they would want to give it up and make their job easier. Like, I can't think, you just have a digital thing fans, on the sideline that says, hey, we got the first down, the I signal think, to the ref, and he goes, okay, you got I, it. <laughs> I think as fans, you should not want that. Why? Because you wouldn't have anybody to yell at when your team sucks. <laughs> It'd be your team is bad, and you so wouldn't be able think, to blame the refs. You think we need to be able to blame the refs as I lightning think fans, rods? Yes, as a cathartic sort of <laughs> thing, fans need human officials in all sports. Same reason why uh, the robo ump in baseball is dumb. They just want somebody to blame. You need somebody. To point the finger at when your team is bad. So now it's just like people are just going to be more depressed because they're going to be like if their team's losing and it's and they have nobody to blame other than just yeah. the team being bad. Yeah, exactly. You'll be like, oh, we got screwed with that call. Yeah, it's like, dude. No, we just suck. Sorry. That seat, that computer screwed us. That How would be figure? refreshing for once. If at the end of a game, like an opposing fan base just like they, they lose the on game a close like, call oh hey you know what your, like, your team was just better than ours yeah. you were just better you know, <laughs> were our just team's better. not very good you were just better or, or beyond that if they were just like no we just weren't good you know <laughs> we just we sucked today <laughs> that only happens if you get like blown out uh, yeah. UConn basketball is on case of the Mondays they were 14-0 were they ranked number one yeah they were number one okay yeah. so they were number one they were 14-0 yep they were number one top of the college basketball world yep and now they've lost four of their last five games after they just lost by 11 at home to what is probably not an NCAA tournament team in St. John's. Yikes. I mean, they they had it going, man. And then, I don't know, is this just like a Hurley Brothers thing? Where they just choke? They they start so well. Remember, uh, so Dan well, remember Arizona Hurley? State had a couple years where they were like 15 and That's one. That's what I'm saying. Start the season. Yeah, with Bobby Hurley, with Arizona State... And they're kind of doing it this way this, this year, by the way. They're uh, they're fifteen and three. We'll Arizona see. State. Yeah, we'll see if they they choke from here. If this they, is different, but like, okay. uh, what was it? Twenty eighteen when they won in Allen Fieldhouse. 
Yep. That team I, started hey, twelve you know, and zero. You know who was there? I know that. you were there. I was there. You were the start of of I was there. them. But maybe you cursed them. I don't know because they started twelve and zero. They finished twenty and twelve. They went eight and twelve down the stretch. Barely made the tournament. Wow. Then twenty nineteen, they started seven and zero, and then just. Again, they they went twenty three and eleven. Seven and eleven. Seven and is not that impressive. Let's see. Twenty twenty, they started eight and two and finished twenty and eleven. I don't know. It just feels like they they would start super well. I I feel like this is Hurley Brothers thing. You start like, like, well. It, like if you, you cloned me and you and we just made a team of a mismatch of the two of us mm-hmm. and we played a like a really 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 soft schedule, we could go seven and zero. <laughs> no. <laughs> Inaccurate. <laughs> Very inaccurate. <laughs> what if we had Michael Jordan and me and you cloned once? So there'd be two of me, two of you with Michael Jordan. <laughs> okay. Do we beat the worst team in college basketball? Yes. Like prime Michael Jordan, I'm saying. Obviously yes. not now, Michael yeah, Jordan. Yes, we would, we would we would win. Yes. Just because of Michael Jordan. I think we would easily win. We'd have to play a zone. I think we would easily win. Are we beating IUPUI? I think we're I don't beating, think I think we we would beating IUPUI by 40. I really don't. I mean, they, they would just triple team Michael Jordan. And it would come down to me and you having to hit open threes. And I don't think we'd hit enough. <laughs> I think we'd lose. I really do. We would not lose. Yes, we would. No, we wouldn't. Uh, case of the Mondays, managing the clock. Not a good weekend for that for NFL head no, coaches. Bad weekend for managing the clock. I mean, pretty much every game you had clock mismanagement. Obviously, the, the Seattle-San Francisco game. I don't remember there being any, but it wouldn't have mattered because it was just, you know, whatever yeah, game. Yeah, the Dolphins game was pretty bad. They had multiple times yeah. where they just, like on fourth down plays, where they just let the play clock run down to like two or three. And it's like, you have a you have your third string quarterback in there. Like, you should be, getting a play in should be even more of a priority in that situation because you have a third string quarterback. Right? And then what the Ravens did late in the game against the, the Bengals. Which, listen, okay. I will say this. I actually, the, the the knee-jerk reaction was, John Harbaugh's an idiot. The Ravens are stupid. Why did they do that? Why did they run the ball? Why did they huddle up? Why did they not call timeout with under two minutes left? I actually don't think it was that dumb. I actually think it was pretty smart, and here's why. If you give the ball back to Joe Burrow with time on the clock, you lose. Period. Automatically. So I assume that the idea there for the Ravens was, we're going to make sure that if we score, there's no time left, and we're either going to go for two or we're going to go to overtime. Now, the flaw in that theory was that they did score, mm-hmm. right? But I will say, I think it was smart up until they had like a they had a fr- second and ten or something with like 20 seconds left. They ran it, and just so bounced to the outside, it went out of bounds for like a 60-yard gain. At that point, the ball was like the 15, I think. They got called for a holding that made it second and 20 with like 15 seconds left. That was what really screwed them. Yeah. I don't think the strategy was that dumb. No, it I, wasn't. Okay. The strategy itself was not dumb. It was executed pretty poorly, though. And then I think the penal- the holding penalty is what really killed him. Mm-hmm. I, I I sort of agree, but I, I thought they, were, they weren't they were close but enough to start doing that But obviously, the counter to that argument is, you have to score. Yeah. So just go score. That's yeah, the counter. I, I thought it would have been listen, smarter. That's a fair counter. If they would have if they would have got to the ten and then did that, I would have been more aboard because at that point you are just playing for the end zone on four downs. At that point, you're still like the 20, 25 when they started doing it. Yeah, I guess honestly, it probably didn't even end up mattering because they they still like they could not pass the ball. I mean, once they got to first and twenty, Tyler Huntley can't throw. He he can't. Like when when you have to make uh, him pass. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
Like the only big plays they had passing were, hey, were just chuck complete... it up and hope Mark Andrews catches it. No, 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 no. Or well, like a coverage. dump off to the running back and J.K. Dobbins. No, they had like, a couple blown cups. Dude, yes. Demarcus Robinson ran the greatest route of his life yeah, against Eli that's Apple. True, that is true. The greatest route of his life. Also, Eli Apple is bad. And Eli Apple sucks. Yeah. Uh, case of the Mondays for... Um, oh, by the way, managing the clock. Um, I feel like the Vikings messed something up. I, I maybe I'm mis- misremembering there. Nonetheless, uh, case of the Mondays. Ohio State fans who got their hopes up. So today was the uh, final day, the deadline to declare for the NFL draft, and coming into today, C.J. Stroud, who's the Ohio State star quarterback, like Heisman finalist, all these accolades, going to be a first round pick. He had not declared for the NFL draft. So people started to wonder if he was maybe taking the Georgia loss really hard and he was going to use that as motivation to come back and try to win a title for Ohio State and yeah. make a boatload of money off NIL. Yeah. People were like, oh, he's going to come. And nope, he's going pro. <laughs> okay. You know what's getting kind of annoying for me, though? What? That Adam Schefter is like just the mouthpiece for like players, whatever. He just gets to, they, they just send him graphics and stuff and he tweets out whatever. Like, like, did you see the tweet he made for C.J. Stroud? No, it I was didn't. like the whole. It was like a whole graphic. He's a Michigan man too. That should be uh, like, dude, what? Not okay for him. Like, dude, I'm a little annoyed by that. Mm. That is sad though for Ohio State. Fans. I know, but like, you, are we supposed to feel bad for him? Because I no, don't. not at all. And yeah. like, you should have expected him to go pro, even if you would have made like I don't whoever know, their next five even if he star. got five million dollars in NIL. That that's nothing compared to the twenty whatever million dollar contract he's going to get. In the NFL. Well, remember, if you're if you're like a top pick, your signing yes. bonus is five million. Yes, like you literally just get five million for signing a paper. Yeah, no, it, it made too much sense. They lose like all their offensive linemen, and uh, he's Marvin Harrison a, Jr. He'll probably be a higher draft pick this year than next year when you have Caleb Williams and Drake May. Like it, it just made yeah. too much sense. Yeah, us on case of the Mondays because we wanted Frank Mason to try out for the Chiefs, and now he signed a <laughs> new basketball contract. <laughs> that was sad. S L U C Nancy basket. Yeah, I, is that a, I, when I saw that I was like, is this is this real? Is this, real? <laughs> is, this, is this fake? Is it real? Like surely, surely that's not the name of the, the team, or is it? I guess I don't know. It's in a different country, so like I'm sure it, it is Listen, something I different. Barely passed French one ten. Okay, I didn't I do French. French at all, so you you have to be the expert on this. No, I know. I'm no. I'm trying. I am trying to tell you, I'm not the expert. And if I'm the expert, we got a lot of problems. Well, who knows? Maybe he finishes out the season, and then in the offseason, he comes and tries out for the Chiefs, and he's the greatest corner of all time. Okay. It's not impossible. Well, I, yeah, and also, I don't I don't know. I, I mean, is is the season period in, like, non-NBA basketball in other countries, is it, like, the same as NBA? Um, like, does no, it run from they, October to May or whatever? No, they— they they finish sooner. They finish in I want to say it might be May, so it's a little sooner okay. than like going into like July if you're in the NBA Finals. Yeah, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our case of the Mondays. We got some uh, KU football transfer edition pickup news coming up next. This is RCST. Another edition of NFL Monday overreactions coming up in our next segment. Some big pickup news for KU football and. I, I will say the the close games at home, all the tight wins for KU, the loud environments down the stretch, probably helps from a football recruiting perspective. They bring in all these recruits to these games. I think they had like fifteen different. I don't know, it might be more than that. Uh, the basketball games. They, yeah, they had handfuls of recruits 
football recruits. Well, I think Gage Keys was, was at one of the games. He was already mm-hmm. committed. Already committed, yeah. And they, they landed two, at least so far, from the transfer portal for KU football. Demarius McGee, he is a corner from LSU, which anytime you get a player from a school like LSU who is constantly loaded with talent, that's going to be a good thing. And, and LSU's brought out some really good corners into the NFL. This kid's 6'1". He's a corner. He has three years left to play. Didn't play a ton his freshman season. He did play in all 12 games, but he was more so kind of relief duty or, or special teams or coming in for a few snaps here or there. Redshirted last season, but clearly a, a talented player. He was a former top 100 recruit on the 24-7 recruiting page. Um, and everywhere you look, he was like top 200 or top 300. So very talented kid who has good length to him, um, doesn't have a, a maybe a proven track record, but you feel like you're getting a, a high ceiling type of player coming in with him. And at a position where, you know, you, you feel pretty good about where you are for next year with Kobe Bryant, Melo Dotson, and Kalen Gervin, your top three corners coming back, but you certainly needed to add more depth and you certainly want to have guys that can maybe raise the ceiling of that group or that, yeah, maybe after he learns about the system for a year, then he can be a starter in two years when maybe some of those other guys, like next year will be Kalen Gervin's last year, that he'll be an impactful player maybe in 2024 and beyond after kind of getting into the program and everything. So that'll be a good thing there. Uh, Patrick Joyner Jr. is the other pickup. He's from Utah State, 6'3", 245 pounds, defensive end with one year left. And that one's clearly a reactionary pickup a bit. I mean, they might have gone after defensive ends even to begin with just because you can't have enough depth there, even if Lonnie Phelps was coming back. But certainly with Lonnie Phelps gone, it's a necessary reaction to, to pick up a defensive end. You did it. He was previously at Miami for three seasons, went to Utah State for two. There were some red shirts along there, COVID year. So he's going to be in his sixth year of ball. It'll be his last season. Uh, stats don't jump off the page last year, 31 tackles, three tackle for loss, one sack year before had more disruption numbers, seven and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. He did have an offer from TCU among others for, uh, this year pro football focus grades though. Don't love him. He was one of the 50 lowest graded of like over 800 edge players in run defense. He did have good pass rush numbers though. So do with that what you will. Yeah, and KU was in on another Utah State transfer, the other defensive end, uh, Daniel Grzyk. I don't want to mispronounce the name, but I don't want to say it. Uh, and he had a visit scheduled to KU earlier in January, but canceled it and then committed to Cincinnati on January 7th. So this also kind of feels like KU was – they were already in on one guy from Utah State. They didn't get him, so they were like, okay, here's another guy that's in the portal. You know, it's a veteran guy, an experienced player, right? Which, when you, when you consider it, I mean – Listen, the D-line, they lost a ton of experience, right? So when you bring in somebody who's in their sixth year of college football at the D-1 level, that's just somebody who understands things that you don't that you don't have to teach to a, a younger player, right, mm-hmm. like a freshman or sophomore. So I think that's a bonus, certainly. And with the McGee pickup, I think what's much, most interesting about that is kind of the overarching theme of Lance Leipold and his staff since he's arrived at KU is, is creating competition, right? This, to me, is what that's what feels like is a situation here where here's a guy who has a chance to come in and potentially prove himself, clearly has the talent, like you said, and also has a chance to elevate everybody else in that room, right? So that's an exciting pickup, certainly, and and I think you were pretty much dead on with the Lonnie Phelps situation where, yeah, you, you knew you were probably going to need some depth there to begin with, and then Lonnie decides to leave, and there goes most of your production in terms of sacks and whatnot, 
that's that's a pretty glaring hole that you yeah. they got to try to fill. And this, yeah, and I, this this may just be the start. They may look for more, but it's a good start at least. That's kind of how I view it. It's not a like for like replacement. It's maybe this guy can come in and help with the pass rush. Maybe you bring somebody in who's better at run defense because certainly KU needs that and. Uh, he he's kind of struggled with that the past few years, according to Pro Football Focus's grades. Which again, take those with a grain of salt. But uh, overall, you're adding to the depth. You're adding to the team defense there with with both these pickups. One thing I do think is interesting, and this is something that Joyner Jr. mentioned in an interview with uh, Jayhawk Slant that he really appreciated what Matt Gildersleeve was doing in the strength and conditioning program, and he liked to see what what K was doing there. And I look at him; he's six three, two hundred forty five pounds, and that's about what like Lonnie Phelps played at. But I also look at Demarius McGee, who's like 160 pounds. And I look at both those players and say, yeah, man, if you could if you could add, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds to their frame with a good strength and conditioning program and coach, that could be really beneficial to those guys. And maybe that could be the difference for Joyner Jr. being a, a better run defender. Uh, how about this other news, though, with uh, J.B. Brown? He was given a 88 transfer grade by 24-7 sports. So, J.B. Brown, he's a, a former Bowling Green linebacker. We talked about him a couple weeks ago when he transferred over. Um, yeah, he committed, what, linebacker. last week or two weeks Something ago? Something like that, yeah. yeah. And that's the same number that Logan Brown has, who's the former five-star offensive tackle from Wisconsin. That's also the same number that Lonnie Phelps had last year. So, so that's big time. That, that tells you this kid is really good. And I was looking at the pro football fo- focus numbers on Brown, and they were really good. Like, he was in the mid-70s, which had a, like, comparison, like, Taiwan Barry Hill, for instance, was in the low 60s. Um, and again, it's against not as good competition, but clearly this kid's got some juice to him. I, I, okay. I thought when they first brought him in, I was like, okay, maybe he'll compete for one of the starting spots. I'm wondering if maybe should we expect him to be a starter? I don't know. Okay, I would like to make a statement. Okay. If your last name is brown or green or black <laughs> or any other color, okay, you should be banned from going to a school like Bowling Green. <laughs> <laughs> Unless your last name is Green? Fine. Sure. If your last name is Green, you can go to Bowling Green. If you're in the other color, you should not be going to Bowling Green. Because I kept typing this guy's name out as J.B. Green. <laughs> that just sounds like a you problem. It's not a me problem. It's a problem of get a different last name mm. or go to a school that's not a color so that it's not confusing. So you won't type JB Kansas in on accident? No, because Kansas is not a color. Now, if his name was JB California, <laughs> then maybe. That would actually be funny if people's names were, were where they were from. You'd never be able to Google anybody. Oh, yeah. But yeah, That'd so be tough. I, I, I don't think either of these guys, like Joyner, I Regardless, think. Regardless, JB Brown, Brown, Green, yeah. whatever, he it, he could make an impact then right? I, I, I mean, if he's got a rating that high. I do think Brown probably will make the biggest impact of any of these three. I think Joyner would be second. McGee would be third in terms of just this year. I think long-term McGee will make a bigger impact than yeah, Joyner, certainly obviously. McGee. I mean, he's got three years left. He definitely seems like a guy that, that could be someone who blossoms into one of your starters maybe in a, in a year or two. Whereas a guy like Joyner, in his last year of eligibility, you figure he's going to be somebody that's hopefully competing for a starting role or pretty significant role. Right when he gets here. Yeah. A Lorenzo McCaskill type. The big question is, because we saw it with McCaskill. We saw it with Gilliard. It took some it took time. some time. It took some, some time, time to get to know the defense. But, I guess, but hey, listen. If, if you're committed right now. It's helpful. You could probably get enrolled this spring and be here for all of the summer. 
I think that'd probably be if if he. I mean, again, if he if he comes in and has that type of impact, that that's a very good thing for your defense because he needed linebacker depth. You probably could have used an upgrade there. If he provides both of those, that'd be huge. Yeah, because you you got to find ways to get better if you're losing Lonnie Phelps. Everybody else has to get better around him. Maybe those are the avenues to do it. Yeah, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. NFL Monday overreactions next. Before we get into our NFL Monday overreactions, that was uh, about as good of a showing on over the weekend as you could have in terms of being like, well, it's a good thing the Chiefs got the bye week. Because even even as you were going oh, yeah. into the oh, weekend, yeah. it was like, yeah, but the Bills get to play the Dolphins. Like, that's, that's such an easy game. But even they almost lost. The Bengals almost lose to the Ravens to where it was like, that's an exact <clears throat> reminder of why you don't even opt to play with fire. Yeah, and this is... I think one of the great things about the NFL actually is what you what you saw was like in the playoffs, it doesn't matter who you're going up against, like everybody turns up. Mm-hmm. Everybody turns up. I mean, it just it, it's hard I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like I know other professional leagues kind of have the same thing like, you know, MLB October, you know, NBA finals, even like hockey, you know, like the it, the intensity rises, but I don't know. It's it's just. I mean, it's just hard to explain, right? Because like, again, here's three or four games this weekend that we thought were just going to be huge blowouts, for mainly because you know your starting quarterback or third string quarterback, or whatever was playing, and they all ended up being really good games. Besides the Seahawks game, but even the Seahawks, the Seahawks were leading at halftime against the Niners. So like, can yeah, you really, had a chance? It was twenty three really, seventeen, and they were like, like in the red can zone. Can you really classify that as like a bad game? I don't know that I would. I think I agree with you. I wouldn't so, classify it as a good game, though. But I wouldn't yeah. classify it as a bad game. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how to explain it, but guys just they just in the in the NFL playoffs they guys just turn up. They just do. Yep. Okay. Let's get into our NFL Monday overreactions. There's still a game tonight with the uh, Cowboys and Bucks. So if you want to pre overreact to what you thought could have happened there, I'm fine with that. But okay. uh, what do we got overreact. for this week? All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. I guess this is probably our last one of the year, right? Because once we get deeper in the playoffs, can we really keep doing them? Mm. No, I, th- I think, honestly, I think the overreactions actually are more viable the further the you further go in the playoffs. Get. Okay. Because okay. think about it. Okay. When teams start making the Super Bowl, then we get the, the legacy overreactions. Sure. Where it's like, okay. this quarterback is the greatest of all time. This quarterback yeah. is the worst. He okay. choked. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Okay. Kyle Shanahan is the greatest football coach speaking of accomplishments he's the greatest football <laughs> coach of all time if wow if you take away okay. everything he's done in the past well, so hold on <laughs> taking away if you take away his career and you look at him right now okay right today so you're just saying this, like this season like what we've seen this yeah, season, yeah. like take forget, away career accomplishments forget being like oh bill belichick has seven super bowls yep, or whatever we're talking is, about you know. this season only yeah he's the greatest and coach you're of all just, time you're judging him compared to his Opposition based on just this season and then yep. extrapolating it out. Okay. Yep. Greatest of all time. Well, I guess it starts there. Is he the best coach in the NFL this season? There have been some great coaching jobs done. Brian Dable with the Giants. Um, Andy Reid, I think, doesn't ever get enough credit for this because you just expect them to be good. Yep. But certainly did a good job. Um, Doug Peterson did a great job with the Jaguars. Uh, let's see. I mean, I, I guess you could say like same thing about Andy Reid with like Zach Taylor and Sean okay, McDermott. Okay, but Doug Peterson um, did a great job with the Jaguars, and he went nine and eight yeah, for in sure. the AFC for sure. South. 
Nick Sirianni. In the AFC no, South. I think they went, did they go 10-7 and seven or no? No, they went 9-8. Okay. and eight. Nick Sirianni did a great job with the Eagles. Like, there, there are a lot of coaches that did, did really I well. I could do year. a great job coaching the Eagles. But, yeah, I mean, for the 49ers to go 13-4, and four, now with the playoff win to be 14-4, and four, to be 14-4. and four, Going through three quarterbacks. Where, yes, you've gone through three quarterbacks. One of their one losses of them was to the Bears. Is the last pick in the first game, too. Yep. Uh, where it was the last pick in the NFL draft, and that's who you're playing with right now, and you're just smoking these teams. Yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah. I do think, though, that first week of the playoffs for me was a reminder so, short answer, the answer is no here. Um, but I will say, Kyle Shanahan, if you just are judging, if, if you are doing if you are doing current coach rankings, active coaches, and you're ranking them, because it's weird, with with quarterbacks, we we do add in so much of what happened that year, but we also do look at the legacy. When we do like every other position besides quarterbacks, it's based on like what are you doing right now, almost it feels like. Okay. With coaches, it's like the complete opposite. Quarterbacks are in the middle. Every other position is based on what you're doing now when how we rank it. Coaches are based on only like what we view as like legacy. So like for instance, anybody who did a coach ranking, if they had Kyle Shanahan ahead of Andy Reid, people would be like, Well, Kyle Shanahan has no Super Bowls and Andy Reid has one. So what are we doing here? But if you're just basing it off of what you're accomplishing right now, I think Kyle Shanahan might be the best coach in the NFL. Okay. Now, again, if you're going off legacy, okay. it's probably Bill Belichick. Okay. But uh, back to what I was going to say, I, I think this past weekend was a good reminder of that having the great quarterback helps you, and for the most part, it raises your floor, and it's hard to win a Super Bowl without one. Yep. But once you get to the playoffs, a lot of the teams that are in the playoffs, they can be there for other reasons, and like it's not just about the quarterback. Like Josh Allen went against Skylar Thompson, and they almost lost. Joe Burrow went against Tyler Huntley, and they almost lost. Uh, Geno Smith kind of hung in there, and you had Brock Purdy with the 49ers just going for like over 300 yards, and I don't think he's that great. Maybe maybe it's more of a... So you're saying coaching matters more in the playoffs? I guess. Maybe that's where I'm going with it. Maybe I'm also saying that that if you don't have a great quarterback, like you can be closer than you think. Or maybe those are examples of why having the great quarterback does matter, because you can mess up all these things, and they're going to still get you over the hump in the end, even if it's a close win. I don't, I don't know. All right, and keeping with the 49ers... Brock Purdy, he's the next Tom Brady. This dude's going to win seven Super Bowls. Wow. Um, he's the next Tom Brady. So the real answer should be this is an overreaction, but what if it's not? Tom There's Brady, a lot of similarities. Tom Brady gets drafted, drafted late, later than you thought. The injury had a, had has a, a starter that gets injured. Yes, had, had a good in. college career, but not a great college career, right? It felt yeah. like there was there were some times when you expected more. Yep. Um, he's, he's not the starter right away. You have this... Highly paid starter who you thought was going to be really, really good for you. Ended up being pretty good, but not, you know, anything explosive with like Drew Bledsoe was and Jimmy G, although I think Bledsoe was better than Jimmy G was. And he comes in and he whoa, just wins whoa, whoa, games. Whoa, no disrespect to Jimmy G. Uh, Drew Bledsoe was good, dude. Um, And so you end up with this weird situation and he's just winning games. And what did we hear about Jimmy G's injury? That he could possibly be back for... The NFC Championship game. Would you play him? Well, that's what I, I don't think you can. Brock Purdy just had like 300 yards and four touchdowns, right? <laughs> and at that point, if the 49ers are in the NFC Championship, now you've won another playoff game, most likely because he's played well. Now, if Brock yeah. Purdy stinks it up this week, he has four interceptions, and they still find a way to win, at that point, sure. But if he plays well again, 
I don't think you can go to Jimmy G at this point in time. And that would be the exact same story of what happened to Tom Brady. It wasn't in his rookie year, but it would be the exact same story. And then they go to the Super Bowl and they play this high-powered Rams offense that um, everybody's expecting the Rams to win. I think they're like 14-point favorites. And the Patriots, they were led by defense. And they just got enough done. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady, I don't know if it was the confidence grew off that or he just got better combination of everything. What if that happens with Brock Purdy? So I don't, I don't, it is an overreaction to ever expect someone to do that again. But in terms of the storyline of yeah, how it fair. could kickstart his it's career, fair. It's fair. I think it's fair. All right, if the AFC South and the AFC West play in the playoffs, the team that gets ahead early will lose. No, not an overreaction. Uh, I'm trying to or think. You, everyone, you try, everyone, I guess, everyone in recent memory. We, we, if the AFC South and the AFC West play in the playoffs, we do not want to be the team. This week, the Chiefs. You do not want to be the team that goes up early big. So basically the Chiefs should try to get down 14 Which, listen, I've been advocating for that for like the last four years. <laughs> okay, so Literally. Here's recent examples. Nobody will listen to me. Recent examples. So we have the, the most the most recent was the Chargers blowing the 27-point lead against the Jaguars. Yeah, but this, listen, if you start doing your research, mm-hmm. this goes deep. Yes. This goes way back. Yep. You have the uh, Chiefs over the Texans, which I think either today yep. or yesterday, I don't know, a couple days ago was like the Whatever that would be, like four year, three year anniversary of that. Yep. Um, so that was down twenty four nothing. You yep. came back. Yep. You have the Colts Chiefs, which that yep. was not a fun one. You also have the Chiefs Titans. You have the Chiefs Titans, Chiefs, which Titans, that also Chiefs was not a fun 21 one. Twenty one to three. Yep. I feel like we're missing one. You have the Titans. They were up ten in the AFC Championship against yeah. the Chiefs on in their road to the Super Bowl. The so basically, quarter. when these which that wasn't like a, I mean, but yeah, mm-hmm. two conferences have met. It leads to a crazy comeback. Yes. So Andy Reid. I know normally you script the first 15 plays to Chiefs, be successful. if you're listening, do the throw the first quarter. Yes. Throw it. You were telling me a stat off air that Trevor Lawrence hasn't lost on a Saturday ever. Yep. His entire career. Yep. Never lost on Saturday. That's crazy. Should the Chiefs do something to reschedule the game to Sunday? Yes. Like, like a- I don't know. There's a there's an electrical fire at Airhead Stadium where they have to play the game there's on flood. Sunday. A flood. A flood. You know? Something. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Let's do it. All right, the Eagles. Their last four coaches. Wait, yeah, okay. The Eagles' last four coaches have featured three of the current top eight coaches mm. in the NFL. And then also Chip Kelly. Okay. <laughs> Glad we ripped Chip Kelly off. Uh, no, I don't think this is an overreaction. So who are the last four coaches? Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, uh, Sirianni. Doug Peterson, and Nick oh, Sirianni. Oh, Doug Peterson. Yeah, yeah. Doug I, Peterson. I think you would have to say Sirianni, Doug Peterson, and Andy Reid are all top eight coaches, right? Probably. I mean, it's there are a lot of good coaches. So once There's you start listing them coaches. out, it's like, oh, John Harbaugh, Bill Belichick, Kyle Mike Shanahan, Tomlin. right? And he, I mean, the Steelers didn't make the playoffs, but I mean, yeah. So, so maybe not. Maybe a bit of an overreaction, but I definitely think like all it, it is crazy the hiring success they've had. Yeah, yeah. All right, rapid fire. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins would have won with Teddy Bridgewater. One hundred percent. Yes, they would have won. Yes. Woo! Okay. Kirk Cousins. He Kirk Cousins himself. All time with the most Kirk Cousins moment ever okay. against the Giants. So that was the most Kirk Cousins moment. The, yes. the fourth and eight, and he throws a two-yard check down on an out route. Yes. To TJ Hawkinson. I yes. think that is. Because That's it's the in most the Kirk, Cousins, Kirk Cousins moment yes. of all time. You had you had a, a great season, and you end up 13-5 and five with a negative 10-point differential losing in the first round. Yes, that was the most Kirk Cousins moment of all time. Okay, I, I don't know how I feel about this one. Daniel Jones. Mm. Is good. Mm. Definitely like better than good. Kirk Cousins. Like He's actually, better than Kirk Cousins. Like actually certifiably good. Yeah, I mean, if you combine Daniel Jones and Brock Purdy's 
first week stats, you'd be like, this is the, you know, and then just average them out. You'd be like, these are the two greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um, I I guess it defines what is good. I guess, sure. He's, uh, Do the Giants have a chance in the next round of the playoffs? Yeah. I kind of think they Are they playing the Eagles? Them. Yeah. Okay. And they almost beat the Eagles last week with their backups, or two weeks ago, with their backups. I think they could beat the Eagles. Okay. I think Daniel Jones kind of good. You know, not not. Oh man, on Friday you were saying he sucked. I know, and I've I've come around on it. One game, what it wow. can do for you in the playoffs. Look at that, Derek Johnson. He's, he's a reformed. Good-ish. Good-ish. He's a reformed man. A reformed man. All right, the Bengals. Are they the luckiest playoff team in the last two years? Yeah, I think you'd have to say so. So you have the uh, the Raiders game last season where I I could have sworn there was something that happened in that game that was controversial. Like the Raiders got a touchdown or should have had. A touchdown, but something well, happened. They threw a pick to end It feels the game. like so long ago. But no, no, there was something that happened like in the or maybe the Bengals scored a touchdown and it like shouldn't have been. I I don't remember. Something weird happened in that game. Uh then you had the the Titans game where you had like the tipped interception at the end that the Titans were gonna get a field goal to win. Instead the Bengals get it and then they make it. You have the the Chiefs comeback, which took all sorts of weird stuff happening for, for them to overcome that. This year you have the the Ravens game where the Ravens are going to go up. With yep. a touchdown there, yep. and listen, the 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 thing where you the quarterback takes the sneak over the top That's and stupid, it, it it's, it's literally stupid. the dumbest thing. The of all only time. time you should do it is if it is on a a do or die play. Uh, even it, then, I wouldn't do it. Well, okay, so there were a couple of reasons why it was stupid. You're really gonna you're really spot. gonna leave. A situation like that up to a review because that's basically what you're doing. Yeah, because no, it's going to get knocked out of your hands every single time. I think that if it's fourth and goal, though, I don't mind it because yeah. the the alternative is if you fumble, you don't get it. Just fourth and run goal. HB dive. Yes, just run well, HB dive. But okay, even that they they had it lined up to do the the push QB sneak where and Chris Collinsworth talked about this on the broadcast where you get people behind him. Yeah, no, yeah, and then I'm you push you. low, and, yeah. and they didn't do that. And then on top of that, it's just like. You've been running it all over the Bengals mm. for most of the game. Just turn around and hand it to Gus Edwards. He's 260 pounds. Or hand it off to Patrick Ricard, your fullback. Or hand it off to literally anyone. Yeah. Just crazy, man. I I don't get it. They, the, the amount of, of things the Ravens had to do to you know mess what, I that think, game up. I think John Harbaugh saw what happened to Jim Harbaugh in the college world playoff where they were at the one after the t- touchdown that got overturned, and they ran HB dive and he fumbled. Yeah. So he thought, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. But see, the other part of it that was dumb is that you were you were at like the one and a half yard line. Usually, the QB sneaks are so successful because you only need a yard. <laughs> and I know that doesn't sound like that big of a difference, but it really is on those plays. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's all. That's it. That's all everything. Right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Overreaction. NFL overreaction. It will be Jaguars in the AFC Championship game. Ooh. All right. See if that happens. I'm calling and Bengals. I will, and I won't right be there now. to watch it because I will be. I I will have passed away. <laughs> this is RCST. Way to go out on a cryptic note this hour. One hour to go. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got plenty more audio coming at you throughout the hour with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. KU takes down Iowa State over the weekend. Something I was kind of pondering on, and uh, we'll, we'll share the Bill Self audio from earlier today ahead of the K-State game. And I asked him about this, and he didn't think it does, but um, okay, I I wonder if it all, like, if it's a coincidence that we had, we had Baylor winning the title last year, we had, or, or I guess two years ago, KU winning the title last year, Texas Tech playing for the title in the tournament before either of those two, and how tough the Big 12 has been. Like, does it prepare them more for the Big 12? But I guess... 
The problem that I'm running into is, is it just a coincidence? Is it just those teams happen to play in the Big 12 that and they're good? that they're really good and then they happen to play in this conference and then they make a run? Or is it that this conference really prepares you extra for the NCAA tournament? I don't know. I mean, I think if you're playing better competition, i.e. better teams in the Big 12 compared to other, which we assume the Big 12 has the best, you know, some of the best teams in the, in the country. If you're playing better teams, better competition, night in, night out, I have to assume that that prepares you for more high-intensity games in an NCAA tournament environment. I just, I just think it does. Yeah. I think, I think it does have to help. But I also think the big difference you could say here is the number of close games that are played in the Big 12, right? How many times do we see in the NCAA tournament, first of all, Games are always close to the NCAA tournament, generally. But how often do you see so, some teams or some coaches make mistakes, whether it's clock management, fouling, not fouling, whatever your play you're trying to execute late in the game in the NCAA tournament to try to win the game? How many times do you see that happen where mistakes are made? Whereas in the Big 12, that's kind of how it is like almost every game where you're in an intense late-game situation mm -hmm. where there's, you know, it's a three, four, five-point game with two minutes left. Like, almost every game has that kind of scenario. So I think from a coaching standpoint, I feel like it could be beneficial because as a coach, you have the opportunity to have live game experience of intense, close games and figure out what works and what doesn't work, basically, before you get to, before you get to the NCAA tournament, yeah. right? Because I, I, just don't think that, I just don't think that happens very often in other conferences where – you know, like, for example, like a team like Duke or North Carolina, they're rolling into Boston College and beating them by 15. They're rolling into, you know, wherever, Georgia Tech, and they're beating them by 15 or 20 points, right? So th those are games where they don't necessarily have that that experience. And from a coaching standpoint, I think it helps. Now, on the flip side of that, and I think uh, you mentioned that Bill Self kind of gets into this. On the flip side of that is if you're playing a lot of tight games, like from a playing perspective for a player – that is not only very physically exhausting, but mentally exhausting, right? Like, how many games can you play consecutively that are really, really close like that and still be able to still operate at a high mental capacity and a high physical capacity late in the game, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, for example, for for Kansas, right? They've played all these close games. If Kansas plays every game, and every game they play from here until the start of March is a close game late where they've got to sweat it out and they maybe they lose some, maybe they win some, right? But... The point is, is like they're close margins, right? Are they not going to be pretty tired by the time you get to March? I mean, that that could be a concern. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's from a coaching standpoint, I think it's definitely a positive. And from a player standpoint, I think it's a positive, but only to a certain extent. And then I think at some point it starts to become actually a bit of a negative, because then you're you just kind of have tired legs by the time you get to the tournament. You're gonna have, you're gonna have tired brains too when you get to the tournament. Yeah, so, no, I, I I don't know. That's kind of how I view it. I think that's fair. I think there's also something to the idea of if these games are so physical, then you get to the NCAA tournament, and if it's not as physical, it can go one of two ways. Either you're used to playing physical and, and you over physical dominate. it, yeah, and you foul too much because of it because you're not used to playing it a, a softer way, so to speak, or you are so used to the physicality that when it's not as physical or you're getting a, an easier whistle where you're going to the line more, it helps you a lot more. Yeah, you just it's don't. almost like you know, you're know you swinging the bat 
with uh, in the warm up circle, and you got the the donut on there that adds a few pounds that makes it feel like you're you know swinging a, a toothpick after you take it off. I don't know. It could be that uh, the idea of playing like back to back good teams and having that short turnaround between games where you have to be used to that preparation. I do think there's something there, but I do think overall, yeah, those deep runs that those teams have had is, is probably know, Bill, more about just the individual teams. But you know, Bill Self in his post game from Iowa State that we played earlier, he said, you know, hey. We didn't even execute the way we wanted to at the end of late game. Like we, we, we were trying to foul, right? Or TJ Altsberger, he's going to go back, I'm sure, and look at the film of the last minute of that KU-Iowa State game and say, what could I have done better? What could we have done better? What could we execute better? You see what I'm saying? So when you play close games like that, from a coaching standpoint, you have, a, a, you have live game experience plus tape to go over and say, hey, we tried this late in the game. You know, back in January against KU or against TC or whatever, and it worked or it didn't work. And now we know going into the tournament, this is what we want to do late in the game or this is how we want to execute, right? And certainly, you know, some of it's going to be matchup based, right? Like you're going to do different stuff depending on your opponent, but some of it may not be. Some of it is, hey, we're going to run this play or, hey, we we tried to foul late and it didn't work, so now we're not going to foul. Or we didn't foul late and a team hit a three, so now we're going to foul and to beat us and so now we're going to foul next time. But you know what I'm saying? In the NCAA tournament, if you screw it up and you lose, you're done, right? In in Big Twelve play, if you screw it up and you lose, you're not. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. an it's a learning experience as long as as long as it doesn't happen over and over and over again, basically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to talk a little more about the bench. We I, I like doing this after each game. We have kind of our bench thoughts, and I think it's funny that I've been doing it every game, and we'll do it again here because Kansas is 341st. Yeah. In the country and bench minutes, three forty first. They're also last in bench scoring. Yeah, I just made that up. I don't uh, know probably, if they are, but they sure. probably are. Okay, I'm for it. Um, like there, so Northeastern is first in the country in bench minutes. They are more than double of what KU does. Now, to be clear, I don't think it's really a problem. Like yeah, last it's not a year, bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. No, like teams with tighter rotations actually tend to do. I don't know if better is the right word because I, I don't think it's a correlate. I think it's just more teams have tighter rotations, so you see more teams go deep. Uh, whereas, but like I, I guess I would just put it this way: it's not a it's not a nuisance. But like last year was three hundred and first in the country in bench minutes. It's like yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I, I still do think they need to find like a second reliable bench guy. I think at times Joe Yesfu has been that, but still kind of searching for that overall, and maybe even a third reliable bench guy. Uh, But, yeah, just two points from the bench against Iowa State. It feels like we've kind of devolved after having a few good games in there where the bench was maybe getting you even, like, 10 points or 15 points. We've kind of devolved back to this where, yeah, it was only two points from the bench. you got to get more. Yes. Yes, you have to get more. And Zuby was the first big off the bench. You brought in Zach Clements. That didn't really work. Back to Zuby. No Ernest Uday, no MJ Rice. And... On one hand, that might be a little surprising slash head scratching, but on the other hand, like this is also like kind of what Bill Self does, doesn't he? Doesn't he like to to send a message to young players, freshmen especially, mm-hmm. like, hey, you're gonna ride pine for a little bit or whatever. Yeah. So I I don't know, maybe he's trying to send a message or, but you yeah you need you need somebody to come off the bench to give you a little bit of scoring, and Joe Yesifu is just. I mean, he played seven minutes, he took one three and missed, and the only other stat that he registered was an assist. So that's that That ain't going to cut it. 
That ain't, that ain't going to cut it. No. And we saw Zuby being back to the first big off the bench. So I think and he, I don't I don't think it's like a requirement that Kansas gets scoring from their bench. But kind of we talked about it at to open the show is like if the one's going to play 39 minutes and score zero points and Kevin McCuller is going to continue to kind of slump a little bit, you would like to have somebody come off the bench and do anything instead of just instead of just saying, okay, we need Grady to go hit four or five threes a game. We need Jalen to go get 16 or 18, and we need KJ to be the Big 12 player of the week every week. Like, is that really a recipe for success, for long-term success? Probably not. Especially, I mean, look, because if, if you take Grady out of the game and McCuller can't hit threes, there goes basically all your three-point shooting, almost, if a team wants to, like we saw Oklahoma do, if they want to try to face guard Grady Dick and not let him get off shots. So it's, yeah, it's a problem. You, you you need something from the bench. Yes, something. So not asking for a lot. We'll see who it is. I mean, Bill Self said today that Bobby Pettiford he he wants him to be more aggressive to try to score, and I think that would kind of add up to, to everything you were just saying there. Yeah. Also, one more thought on that before mm-hmm. I I'll let you finish your thought. With Dewan, there was the last like couple weeks was there was this big messaging of we want Dewan to be more confident. We want Dewan to be and look what happened. I mean he. He was shooting the ball really well, and he was shooting over 70% in conference play at one point. Yeah, if Bill Self well, told feels, us that, he's definitely emphasizing it to him. Yeah, but it feels like that maybe that's kind of faded a little bit. or, or, or I don't know. He wasn't DeJuan wasn't looking to score really at all. Obviously, he had zero points in 39 minutes. I mean, that's really hard to do. So, I don't know if that message needs to be re rehashed or reemphasized because when he was looking to score – the offense was flowing for Kansas. Not that it's not that it's not flowing if he's not necessarily looking to score, but you know what I mean? It, it goes to another level. Well, one thing's for sure. Ernest Duday, MJ Rice do not have Bill Self's favor. Yeah, they are not in Bill Self's circle of trust. And with like with with the Remy Martin stuff last year, which was basically the the perfect picture, I guess, of a guy who isn't playing for some reason or another. Um who works into more playing time toward the end of the season it, it we, and kind of clicks at the end of the season. We don't see it that often, but it can happen from uh, occasion to occasion. And as you kind of keep holding out hope that Uday or MJ Rice or maybe both can figure it out and can find something for this bench as the season goes on, the problem to me is that it's just so different because with Remy, once if he ever did, which he eventually did, come back because of the injury stuff, it was never known that he was going to play a huge role on the team, but it was like, we know he's going to at least be getting these five, 10 minutes here to see if he can earn more time. And with Uday and MJ Rice, the floor is not, you're going to get five, 10 minutes to see if you can earn playing 25 minutes a game. Right now, the floor is that you just don't play. And then you don't even have the opportunity to show it in the games that you can play more. It all just comes down to practice. That's all that this comes down to at this point. But certainly both those guys whether it's the Bill Self doghouse or just the other guys have emerged past them too much or things just aren't clicking, whatever it is, it's not working for those two guys. And with, with Ernest, I think I think with Ernest, it's a little easier because it's like, hey, there are all these other big men that you're competing with. You know what I mean? Yeah. With MJ, it's a little tougher because it's like, no, it's there's really no other bench wing. You know what I mean? So with Ernest, it's like, okay, it could make sense why, as a freshman, things aren't clicking early on. Like, yeah, we still think you have a high ceiling. Why it's not working right now. With MJ, it's almost more of an indictment about something's going on there. 
Yeah, and hearkening back to the to the Remy thing, the other aspect of the situation with Remy is Remy was a bona fide college player. Like he obviously had already maintained and sustained some some success somewhere else at college. So you knew that he was a a bona fide already player that could come in. And so I think from that standpoint, the discussion kind of changes a little bit when you're talking about a freshman, a guy who hasn't experienced this level of basketball and someone who maybe has a little bit of growing to do on the mental side or whatever. And, and you're right. But again, this, this is a pattern we've seen with, with some guys, you know, sometimes with Bill Self, it's, if you don't want to kind of play the way that Bill Self wants to see you play, or if you don't fit into what he wants you to fit into, there can be some, some friction there. And that may be the case here. But, again, as we've heard, I mean, MJ Rice has endured a plethora of injuries, too. So, I mean, it could be just also that he hasn't been really in a position to be healthy enough to put together consistent practices to then that would get him on the floor. So it's it's tough to tell. But certainly you you hope that he MJ Rice can find a role with the team, I think. I think kind of you did a good job of, of delineating the situation with Ernest Uday where it's like, yeah, you've got some other bigs, right? Zuby's played pretty well when he's gotten in. Cam Martin and Zach Clements are both ex- more experienced players. But, yeah, with MJ Rice, it's really just a question of what do you need to do in practice to, to have an opportunity to, to make an impact? He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll have plenty of KUK State talk on tomorrow's show. we got some audio, though, that we're going to share with you through the rest of the show, some player audio from the game after Iowa State, and then we've got some Bill Self audio from earlier today ahead of the game against Kansas State. This is RCST.